This is Marco Reus, and you're listening to the Yellow Wall podcast. Now Brian saw a lovely turn. This is lovely. It's Reus! He's got his goal! And Azar bearing down on goal to take it on himself. Reus Sancho! Oh, they're loving that! Azar for Reus! Made that fall. Sancho, here they go. Hakimi's quick. He's very quick. And it might work out for Dortmund. As I'm joining in, oh, the queuing up Sancho! Hello and welcome to episode 307 of The Yellow Wall Pod. I'm your host, Stefan Bosco, and today we will talk about Borussia Dortmund's 5-0 win over Fortuna Düsseldorf. Joshua Kimmich's tears and the Champions League because Dortmund have a game, a final game in the group stage against Slavia Prague where they hopefully will qualify for the knockout rounds. And uh, for all that and more, joins me once again Matthias Zug. Hello Matthias, how are you doing on this Saturday as we are recording only about an hour after the final whistle? Well, given that the fact that uh, two of my teams have have both won 5-0 against low-block shithouse teams, uh, <laughs> it makes my bad back feel so much better. How are you doing, Stefan? I am doing terrific also. Uh I'm I'm actually I'm actually a bit sad that uh, Leverkusen only scored uh the their first goal a couple of minutes ago, otherwise we could have celebrated it loud and live quote-unquote live on tape on the yellow wall pod because uh, they are playing against Schalke um yeah Marcos Alario or Marco Alario just uh scored the uh opener in the uh, 16th minute or so so we just missed it but uh nevertheless yes it's it's been a terrific game and uh Matthias I think on the last podcast I was a little bit confused about the uh formation because at first I had forgotten that Mats Hummels uh, was suspended with a red card and then I wasn't quite sure if you would stick to the 3-4-3 or should play 4-4-2 or 4-2-3-1 or whatever. But uh, Lucien Favre had a throwback to the good old Thomas Tuchel days today and indeed plucked Lukas Piszczek as the right half back or, or right center back into that 3-4-3 uh, formation to indeed keep the back three and of course to keep Julian Brandt in uh, central midfield which to me was another key and something we will maybe talk about in terms of trendwende so um overall i'm i'm just very happy with uh, how the lineup looked like especially with uh, Dan Axel Zagadou getting another 90 minutes and, and proving himself to be uh, a very good center back in in that combination and formation so um i think Overall, there are almost exclusively positive things to discuss for us. Um, so I guess my first question to you, Matthias, is how did you like the uh, all-black shirts, which uh, was a throwback to uh, Dortmund's heritage and their past of uh, being a coal and stealing town? Uh, and uh, I think I think it's also in... in uh, In light of Dortmund's 110th birthday, which is coming up on the 19th of December, if I'm not mistaken. So, um, how did you like that? Well, I mean, I told uh, my wife at the time, uh, since since I'm a Johnny Cash fan, it's uh, <laughs> nice to see Dortmund coming in the Johnny Cash look. 
uh, all in black. So that was that was kind of cool. It was kind of interesting. Uh, you know, it was a blackout in Dortmund, and uh, they definitely blacked out Fortuna Düsseldorf. I mean, it took a while, but overall, I thought it was it was fantastic. I kind of said, you know, before we recorded, tongue in cheek, everyone gets a ten out of ten except Roman Bürki because you can't give someone who does nothing a ten out of ten. <laughs> uh, but that's not that's not his fault. Uh, that's obviously down to Fortuna Düsseldorf. Uh, having, let's say, some statistics say two, some three, let's say two and a half shots um, in the entire uh, 90 minutes. and um, But a lot of that wasn't necessarily down to Dusseldorf's passive play, but also Dortmund's extremely active play. The pressing was great. They dominated. They suffocated Dusseldorf for most of the match. And that back three, the amount of passes that they intercepted was fantastic. It was um, Marco Reus's best match of the season. It was probably the best Manuel Akanji performance I've seen in a long time. Definitely this season. Because he was, like we talked about last time, he was, he was the boss. He was the boss in the back line, and it suited him. Because Pischek isn't really a center back, even though obviously Pischek is more a team leader. But he's not a central defender, so he'll acquiesce to the requests of Manuel Akanji. And obviously Zagadou fills that role nicely. Um, you know, I've been very critical of Dahut and Zagadou. Um, I stick to my criticism of Dahut. I feel like he should, we should just move on from him for sure. With Zagadou, I will clearly say that, uh, I am glad to be proven wrong. Uh, I have no problem admitting that he was a boss back there. I really wish he would have scored that goal. And you could tell that things were different in Dortmund because they were laughing. They were smiling. I mean, when Zagadou took that shot, um, he he was laughing. It was almost like a childish exuberance. Or when Dahut hit um, Götze in the butt <laughs> towards the end, which could have been a sixth goal, Götze was laughing because it was just like ah, everybody everybody was just joyous, and and that was great to see. And uh, I, I messaged you this. Uh, I don't know if it was still during the match or after the match, and said, you know, that first half against Paderborn was maybe very, very important as a turning point for yeah, many, many things. Game. Yeah, Between yeah. It, just, yeah. But, but it really, it was kind of like the second half started in Paderborn, and since then, Dortmund have played with a completely different mentality and energy, um, and they just took Dusseldorf apart. And it was good to see, especially against Dusseldorf, that we're doing a lot of shithouse stuff in the first half. I mean, Botzik, um really started to tick me off. Um, and uh, the referee wasn't at his best in the first half either. Dortmund deserved um, a few free kicks. And uh, yeah, but overall, fantastic performance. Marco Reus on fire, Sancho on fire, Brandt man of the match. I wish in, in football we would keep the same assist statistics that you do in ice hockey where basically the guy who plays the pass before the one who plays the assist gets kind of a half assist or a point because they work on points in hockey um, because Brandt, the amount of half assists he got was pretty, pretty amazing. He was spectacular today. Yeah. Uh, w without a doubt. I mean, uh, Julian Brandt had a hundred percent success of dribbles. I think he, he won four or no five five dribbles according to who scored and uh, he had four ball recoveries uh, you know four tackles one and and two interceptions so so basically uh, six ball recoveries 
and 100% tackle success rate. So, but just, you know, you know, these are statistics that usually you do not, um, connect to Julian Brandt. But I, I just have to say, I mean, collectively, this was such a great performance in the way they, they press and counter press. And, uh, you know, I have bemoaned the lack of proactivity in, in this Dortmund side for mm-hmm. such a long time. But, uh, today everything was different. And uh, they really uh, took it to to Düsseldorf from the very first second on, and that uh, is is what you would want. I mean, the 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 easy one plus one equals two in football is that hard work begets Spielfreude. Basically, the 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 joy you just talked about, everyone smiling and and just having awesome combination play. I, I think um, if you contribute and and do your job in in defense first then uh you will ultimately have fun playing uh great attacking football i mean obviously you can play great attacking football while being shit at defending but it's it just not the same because this was just such a co- comprehensive performance and um i am really really glad that lucien Favre was stuck with julian brandt in, in central midfield because you can just see that this is very much his best position for Dortmund and he looks like a fish in the water there next to Axel Witzel especially in in the game like this where um you you know don't have the the most defensive tasks as as you would have let's say against a game against Barcelona so uh so obviously a different structure and against a low block team as you just said uh this this was perfect because Julian Brandt just the way he he turns around how he distributes the ball and uh, the the verticality that he has, which uh, Julian Weigel, for example, still lacks, sadly, um, is is just amazing. And uh, yes, it's. I, I guess we can say now that Julian Weigel's injury going into the Hertha game was fateful for Dortmund because I don't know if you, if Favre would have gone with uh, Brandt in in that position, even though he was quite desperate, um, but. Yeah, now now he's stuck to it, and now after two games, I think we really have to say that uh, this is something we should have discovered or Favre should have discovered a very long time ago. But now that it has happened, I really do hope that he sticks with it because um, the the cohesion and and the yeah really the cohesion is is something else. And uh, I think it was Watzke on that members assembly who said um right now we are not a team that has a formation and i think he he was referencing really the stability and 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 the the cohesion of the team and and so finally we've seen this now in in a way that we haven't seen it before and i have to say the back three um really complements that especially with uh, the wingbacks of Guerrero and Hakimi um it's not going to be perfect and ideal in every single game but um I I believe it's better than having either as a as a fullback. I don't know what do you think, but uh, um, I I think this this uh, formation is a winner. I think so too. I think this formation is also the only one that uh, Favre would do a Witzel Brandt double pivot, just because Brandt being so much more offensive in his movement versus a Weigel or a Delaney um, and and just better than a Dahoud, uh, what that does is the back three 
give that cover and the wingbacks too, because if need be, they can just tuck inside a little bit uh, when Brandt pushes forward and that gives you that little bit of cover. And and I think Guerrero did that a couple times where he moved a little more centrally and then you had Zagadou a little bit further out wide uh, or oftentimes you saw Zagadou step up almost next to Witzel in build-up play when Brandt moved forward. Um, it was very cohesive. It, what it tells me is that this isn't something that Favre just came up with a week and a half ago. This the the movement and the understanding is something that has been practiced and trained. I mean, there's no doubt about it. It's too it's too fluid. Uh, even starting against Hatta, it was just too fluid in its buildup and uh, the the understanding that everybody had. It was still a little rusty. I think that rust is gone. Also, because you had three central defenders with pace. Yeah, Pishik is older, but he's still fast. Um, and th- even though they weren't really tested against Düsseldorf for pace, which we knew it's not like it would have been against Hertha or Paderborn. But uh, I think we've got a winner. And the thing you know about Lucien Favre is that when something is clicking and winning and working, he's not really one to change it. And at this point, why change it? The only change that will probably happen is Hummels will come back into the back three, play centrally, not Kanji to the right. And I think that can work. Uh, if you just give it some time and, and the defensive automatisms, uh, are given a chance to, to flourish that way. And it gives you more opportunities to use Nico Schulz at his best. Um, and then, uh, you know, you also have Götze that can slot in and Götze could also play the Brandt position in that type of formation. So I think, um, it spells, difficulties for the likes in particular of Delaney and Weigel moving forward if this continues, especially because, yeah, because, oh, Dahoud, I don't even count him anymore. But here's the thing. Um, we saw somebody today for the final, what, 20 minutes, 15, 20 minutes that we almost forgot is an Argentinian international, and that is Balerdi came in. That's why I thought it was hilarious that Las Palmas missed <laughs> Balerdi's de- debut. Um, but that, uh, you know, it, it, it gives him so many more options uh, to, to play with in that instance. Sorry, can you say that again? I talked over you. The Balerdi thing, can you say that again? Matthias? Hallo? Can you hear me? Hello? Sag ja, wenn du mich hörst. Yeah, jetzt bist du wieder da. Okay, can, I, I was just going to say, can you say that uh, Baleri thing again because I talked over you? Oh, um, so the great thing with Baleri coming in is it shows the, the depth you now have, the choices that Favre has at defense. And it was good for, for him to get 15, 20 minutes at home in front of the yellow wall to kind of experience that because it can be intimidating for a young player that's not used to it. Yes, he's he's from Argentina, from Boca. He's used to passion, but it's it's a little bit it's still different um uh playing playing in the Westfalenstadion. Um so I think it was a good run out. Didn't really see much from him because Düsseldorf were done at that point, but it's a good positive sign that Favre is like, "Okay, it's time for you to come in." That makes me uh, more optimistic that we may see more in the in you know after the winter break maybe not before then but uh we we've got something now that's working that's working well that's 
providing attacking flair while minimizing defensive risk. And I think that's the kind of balance that Lucien Favre likes. And yes, we can say, why didn't he figure this out sooner? Well, sometimes fate forces your hand. Suspensions and injuries forced his hand. And the fact that they didn't look good in the first half against Parabon. And obviously they were abject against Bayern. And to kind of sit down and really think about it some more. Um, I think that that has helped him get to this point. Whereas there are plenty of other managers that wouldn't have changed. And he's changing because he was also under pressure. I personally believe the pressure's gone. I know I said if he doesn't get maximum points out of the next four matches, and there's one more in this run of four, that he won't be the manager after the winter break. He will be the manager after the winter break. He will be the manager for the rest of the season, um, for sure, unless it completely falls apart, which I don't foresee happening. And then it really depends on what happens for the rest of the season to determine whether or not Lucien Favre uh, stays on or not. Uh, if he goes back to reverting to type and in the sense of being a little too cautious, or if he just lets this, what he's now put on the pitch, kind of grow naturally. So here's the thing. We have talked about, you know, what what this Dortmund squad needs and how it might still not be ideal. And I think we've talked about that it needs a striker. And I'm pretty sure we have talked about how we definitely need another dynamic central midfielder. And I still believe Dortmund do. But um, putting Julian Brandt in his best position, which is something I expected to happen much earlier, to be honest, um, is or at least appears to be a game changer and uh, is is something that Dortmund desperately, desperately needed. And uh, it's so good. It is so nice to see it work out because you can put Brunt in this posi position and he can absolutely shit the bat and then you will never do it again. And th this would have been horrible for Dortmund because um, we know that Julian Brandt Overall, is is not the best when it comes to defensive contributions. Sometimes he just jogs around, does not show the initiative, and doesn't have the defensive impulse that you need for such a position. Um, uh, he has shown that in in many games where I was really like livid. So it's it's just very good to see that Brand finally is uh, doing his thing and has understood what he needs to do in, with his defensive contributions, which I or, already talked about. So, um, yeah, a, a big win. And obviously, now, as you alluded to, the big question is really what to do with Mats Hummels because Dan Axel Zagadou is playing very well. And uh, you have mentioned that the chemistry with him and Akanji is, is, is doing also you know, Dortmund a lot of favors. And the, the thing is, if you put Hummels in there, you just have a different dynamic at the back. And I have to be frank, maybe this can all fall into place at, at, at some point. But right now, I do believe that Dortmund have a better defensive dynamic when they have Zagadou and Akanji together on the pitch without Hummels in there. And uh, Lukas Piszczek is also a very good player to complement that because he knows how to play that position. He has done it very successfully under Thomas Tuchel. It was sort of a rebirth for him for a long time. The the way he played, it it really had Dortmund to solidify. After um, you know, they had a lot of problems with Jurgen Klopp in the, in the final season, and then Tuchel putting him as a as a right center half really helped a lot. 
or or halfback or whatever you want to call it. So um, it's it's a question where I would really like to hear your thoughts on, and, and to be honest, something I would like to hear from from other panelists in the, in the future what they think as as we progress because um, you know. Hummels is 30 years old, but he was the top signing. You can't just, you know, put him on the bench. But uh, it's it's kind of, it, it tells you something that Dortmund's arguably best performance of the season, most coherent, most co comprehensive performance came without him. That That's true. Um, I would caution, though, the thinking along the lines of taking Hummels out. He's still Dortmund's best player in build-up. Also can't forget that uh, we've only really seen two matches with the Brandt. Witze double pivot. Before that, you had a lot of Delaney or Weigel, and that can be problematic at times, also in build-up or defensively, specifically when things can break down. Uh, the other thing that, um, you know, the, that why I'm being cautious Zagadu Akanji were good against an abject Hatta side that even with four strikers on the true. pitch couldn't do anything and against a completely overwhelmed Düsseldorf side. Next week, they play against Mainz, another side that I don't really expect to see a huge test from. Well, um, to be honest... Uh, I, expect, I expect a test. I've, I've seen them against Frankfurt. They are feisty as hell. Yeah, they're feisty, but so is Düsseldorf, so is uh, Hertha. That's why, to me, the biggest, the most important statistic from this match day was the fact that Dortmund won 58% of all um, tackles or challenges and duels against a highly physical team. For me, the the test, if they're going to stick with this, will come in the last two matches before the winter break against especially Leipzig, thankfully at home. And then against Hoffenheim. So those are the two matches that to me would be the bigger, the, the bigger gauge to go, okay, is this really something or is this not something? Now you have to beat everybody that's put in front of you. And Dortmund have historically always had an issue with playing down to their opposition. And, uh, it was good to see that they didn't do that today against Dusseldorf. And arguably they didn't do it against Hertha. Knowing, especially that in the second half, Dortmund were down to 10 men and were probably more dangerous than Hatta in the second half. And that speaks more to Hatta's weakness as to Dortmund's strength necessarily. But I think uh, the true test will come the week after next um, when it's Leipzig, because that's a serious, that's a, that's a title contender with Nagelsmann as a coach with an extremely good team that's firing on all cylinders. They put three past Hoffenheim today. So that that's, I'm still holding back my, uh, you know, please have my love child <laughs> moment uh, with Zagadu Akanji no, <laughs> backline. Swooning you are right. Mistakes will come definitely. We know that uh, Zagadu is not flawless. And, and how, how could it be? He is just like 20 years old and uh, he's only gotten a few matches. So, um, that's obviously uh, s something we have to consider, but um, I feel much more confident now with uh, Dan Axel Zagadou on on the field, and I I think it's it's important for Favre to to have uh, you know ma made this decision and and hopefully he will stick with it because um, I believe when we talk about you know overall quality 
Um, then Axel Zagadou has a lot. He is already on a very high level, especially with his football IQ. And, uh, you know, the, the way he distributes the ball is, is also extremely good. So, um, if, if you replace, uh, him for Hummels, then, uh, you still have a very good, uh, ball playing machine out there. So, um, you know, a lot of, a lot of positives to be, to be honest. So, yeah. I don't know, but um, let's uh, talk a little bit about uh, not only the defensive performance, because yes, that was good, but um, in the end, it was a 5 nothing win, and uh, if it weren't for VAR spotting a very tight offside decision, it, it could have been 6 nothing or, or even higher, because Dortmund really played themselves in, into a frenzy, and uh, it, it, it was a side to behold and obviously I have been extremely wrong in my prediction that there was going to be a 100% set piece goal because there was not but that didn't matter because Dortmund uh, found the net by combining very well and um, as you mentioned before it was uh, Marco Roy's best game uh, Julian Brandt had a hand in in almost every goal and uh, you know Dortmund had a lot of different flavors too because they scored on a counter attack they they scored uh with with different pass passing uh angles and combinations so um yeah it just it just looked very good uh, i think in the first half in the first 40 minutes or so until they scored um they had a couple of uh, issues when it came to shot selection because Dusseldorf made it very difficult for Dortmund to create high quality chances um I think with that 5-4-1 system or 4-5-1, depending uh, on on how they lined up in particular situations, it, it was not easy to break this Düsseldorf team. Um, and so, so I'm very glad that uh, they eventually did without conceding first from like one stupid counterattack. So, yeah. Um, h- how do you, how do you even, or who do you even want to highlight? Uh, considering the uh, attacking flair that Dortmund exuded in, in, on so many different levels today? Well, I think uh, you have to start with everyone um, and finish with everyone. No, I mean, the thing that that it was a joy to watch, there were moments where I was like, whoa, because of the skill, like the tricks, the movements, the, I mean, the amount of times that Azard just skinned his opposition was was amazing it was like okay it's it's eden out there um from from what you would think or you know sancho played with more exuberance and he seemed looser so maybe he after a few tough weeks and criti- correct criticism 100% justified criticism maybe that got his head right cuz sometimes when you're a parent you got a kid that's acting up that way you know you got to Got to put them in timeout. You got to ground them. And then that gets them to think about it a little bit more and they behave better. Uh, Royce, I, I, the one that I really want to have stand out is Royce because he's been under justifiable criticism, both from us here um, on the other wall. We, we, we discussed but, whether he should be benched or whether he should be subbed out after a while if he doesn't perform. But today uh, we do not have to discuss this. It's, it's good. We have teased him long enough to finally come up with something here. <laughs> well, and, and Lucien Favre was asked this exact question 
in the pre-match press conference last week where they said, well, you know, Royce has had these issues. What do you do with him? You know, do you stick with him? Do you bench him? And Lucien Favre said, you know, every player in the world goes through a form hole, as he described it. And sometimes they're deeper and longer and sometimes they're not. Yeah, but Favre, the thing Favre was asked whether he should play Brandt in the number 10 position and uh, he has answered this in in a, in a much better answer than the uh, reporter uh, framed the question basically. Well, yeah, I mean it was kind of you could tell Favre was a little annoyed by a lot of the questions in that press conference to be honest, especially everything that alluded to are you signing Holland. <laughs> um but uh, Favre watched the last press conference <laughs> because I had, had to work so much that uh uh, I, I had no time, unfortunately. Well, the, the answer was so nice because he said, with the quality of a Marco Royce, every player goes through these these dips in form. But with him, and this is the same thing you and I mentioned last on the last episode, was that the the change, basically, when that breakout performance comes back can happen at any moment in any match. And so you kind of have to stick with a player like that because you don't want to miss that breakout performance. And I'm so happy that Favre did stick with him, kind of ignored all the people that supposedly that think they know better. And Marco Royce had his breakout performance of the season. I mean, you think about it, the assist to Sancho with his no-look pass... Was that, that was vintage Marco Royce, and he was taking volley shots wait, and wait, his which movement. Goal are you talking about? Um, I'm trying to remember. There was I, I forget which which one it was. Was it the third goal? Or the there there was one where Marco Royce kind of broke through, and then he did a, a no look pass to Sancho, cut inside, and Sancho had a relatively easy finish uh, to put it in, but. You looked at it in slow-mo replay. Marco Royce deliberately looked the other direction when playing the pass. And that's something that's been missing this season I think from that him. Was the, that was uh, the the second goal. If No, that was the, that was the third where, where Royce went to the outside and then cut it back. It was a one-two combination, right? Correct. Yes, yeah. that was it. Um, so many goals, I lose track. Um, <laughs> so it was... I would... I will laud him above the rest simply because the amount of criticism he was under um justifiable criticism and he kind of shut everybody up uh jaden sancho shut everybody up um i I, I just watched the watch the replay and uh actually both players had a no look pass first sancho's pass to royce was also no look pass he didn't even turn his head because he knew where royce was going and then you see that royce uh played the pass and only looked after it once the pass was played so genius but the thing is i wanted to talk about royce's first goal first but continue (laughs) well i mean all of this movement and and the way they're all playing together it begs another question i mean you mentioned it defensively does Hummels start well now the question is to Paco and Götze start necessarily because everyone seems to be playing so well and the automatisms are are functioning. It's you don't really want to break it up. But the beauty of it was that when Götze came in, it really didn't slow down. It kept on going. So um, you know that's maybe um, not not. The best point. It kind of started <laughs> slowing down when when Dahoud came in, so I gotta I gotta put that one in there. Um, and no, but it was it was a joy to watch. 
it, everybody, I think, breathed a sigh of relief. Also, the people, all the hashtag Favre out people uh, could chill out for a day. Um, and we talked about it in the last episode. If it takes a while to get the goal against Dusseldorf, don't lose your shit too early. Reserve your judgment. And there were people already complaining that Dortmund hadn't scored in 30 minutes or 10 minutes or whatever. And it's like, just chill. These are, every team in the Bundesliga is there on merit, okay? This, is, this isn't, you know, no one's playing against the Dolphins or the Browns or anything like that. It's... These are serious teams, and Shout out the to teams. The who lost to the <laughs> well, yeah, uh, that's <laughs> that's always a joy. But um, th th the thing is, especially the teams lower down, they know how to defend because that's their lifeblood. So it's always going to be hard to break them down. Um, and so it it all worked out beautifully in the end. So. I think the first goal sort of came after a set piece because why else would Lukas Piszczek be in a number 10 position? And I think it, it was a... I don't know if it, it was a throw-in or a quick ball recovery um, because uh, I only have to replay and, 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 and as, as you know, they, they never showed the, the full uh, way they, they created a goal. But um, what I really liked is when, when uh, Akanji passed the ball to, to Julian Brandt, how quickly Brandt turned on that spot and, and passed it straight to Pischek and then Pischek turns around again and, and finds Royce and, and Royce's first touch with the left foot and, you know, it looks like he's cutting to his left and, and completely, uh, shimmies or, or puts Zach Steffen on, on the wrong foot there and then, uh, finds the, the short corner. I think, um, After struggling to to really create a big chance, I think the the opening goal was just a sight to behold. A because Lukas Piszczek did a thing, and that's what we love. But just also, you know, the amount of players making a run. I think you you see Zagadou in there trying to make a run. And he has two players next to him, and then you see uh, you know at the top of the screen, um, Jaden Sancho running into the box and. Uh, It's it's just a situation where you basically have four or five Dortmund players against four and five uh, Düsseldorf defenders, and uh, it's it's just that um, you know forward thinking that that Dortmund often lacked, and and now you see as you mentioned before a, a lot of runs, and I think in in the end this is what really had Dortmund, and I've I've said too too many times too many episodes sounded the same here because Dortmund were too static. And they were not static in this game. You know how many one-two combinations you had with players uh, and how many runs players made where they didn't receive the ball and then had to come back from an offside position. But uh, I, I prefer that to just everyone standing basically where the coach drew the lineup and, and you have zero movements. So um, it's it's just something that I want, wanted to mention because um, the, the the first goal felt like a 2012 Dortmund to me. Just uh, of of the the quick flow and uh, the inevitability of Marco Royce scoring that goal uh, in the one against one against the keeper, just using his flawless shooting technique and and his presence of mind. Um, it it's just bamboozling if if all comes together and uh, you know it's it's such a such a joy to to watch this game. So um, I'm I'm pretty sure I will uh, watch it again. A couple of times. So that first goal, I, I really wanted to, uh, you know, say how, how great it was. And I mean, it, it, it was 
annoying that that the um, tunnel basically got ruled out because uh, it it was slightly offside because it was another very well rounded well-crafted goal, but um, the um, the second goal that Dortmund scored is also again Lukas Piszczek winning winning the ball, and then you have uh, a quick one-two between between uh, Sancho and uh, and Brandt, and Brandt in the end then playing again this this quick vertical pass, having the presence of mind to to you know send Sancho into space, and then he obviously finds Hazard who who scores alone. Um, you know, just a, another goal where you completely catch Düsseldorf on the break. And I've wondered that at half time, how will this dynamic of the game change now that Düsseldorf have to be more on the front foot? And it's just uh, amazing to see that Dortmund uh, used and utilized that space, that extra space so well. Um, it's, yeah. And I, I, I have to say, I'm personally very happy for Torgen Hazard. I remember Konstantin Eckner talking a lot about uh, you know his unused potential in the season in, in the early part of the season um, is one of the stories so far because um, eventually you will see him more often on the score sheet and contribu- contributing more often and I think uh, he is slowly but surely also arriving at Dortmund and he has now scored in consecutive games like Jaden Sancho has scored in four, consec- four consecutive games so um Hazard, you know, finally making an impact is very important. Yeah, absolutely. And it's something that uh, Ovo Moyela talked about on the coverage that we have here in the U.S., that um, it takes time for new players to bed in. Um, And uh, it took a while for Brandt and Hazard to really find themselves uh, I think they found themselves <laughs> uh, to, to say the least and I think Lucien Favre has found them and has understood now how best to utilize them especially Julian Brandt because he's so versatile and you could really slot him in anywhere in, in the attacking half but uh, I think we've we found the right the right uh, position for him and it also frees up Witzel a little bit more uh, so it's not all on Witzel when it comes to build up play and I think that's really really important uh, so yeah it was uh it, like you said, the positional play and the lack of movement was a warranted criticism in the previous weeks and months, especially against teams that are like Dusseldorf. And it's so easy to become frustrated and static against a team that defends so deep with so many players. I mean, they really had nine people in and around the box at any given time. And Dortmund never gave up. They kept on at a high pace. They slowed it down when needed to be um, and then sped it back up in the combination. And that that change of pace of movement and play and pass, I think that was really critical in pulling Dusseldorf apart in those moments because it's almost like they they lulled them and then bam hit them really fast and they couldn't they couldn't move as quick because Dusseldorf players just aren't of the quality to be able to do that and if it wasn't for their extremely good American keeper Zach Steffen this could have been eight seven or eight to nothing um so uh, an all-around good performance yeah, but you have to say, Dortmund were actually quite efficient with their chances because they uh, created, in, in the end, the, the chances that they created were so well-crafted. And uh, to me, this is always better than, than scoring, uh, you know, a lot of uh, 
golazos, uh, fluke goals or, or whatever, um, from, from distance or, you know, have a, have a scramble. If, if you defend well and then on top of that craft, uh, you know, high quality chances and, and finish them to, to me, that's, uh, just ideal. And yes, I agree with you. You can't just expect Dortmund now to easily beat and steamroll every opponent like that. That's not going to happen because Dortmund will struggle more against teams that have more athleticism than Düsseldorf. You could see, clearly see um, the difference in pace, and uh, I think the uh, the five nothing in the end, which really uh, <laughs> seemed to humiliate Düsseldorf in the end, because Dortmund uh, on the counter and then Hakimi winning that sprint, and I think when he was in front of uh, Zach Steffen, he he basically delayed. And, and waited just for uh, everyone else to arrive. And I think in the end, he laid it off for Jaden Sancho, who just fired home. Um, but, you know, this obviously, this kind of goal, Dortmund um, can create against a lot of opponents, but also not against everyone. Um, so, yes, you, you have to take it with a pinch of salt, but it doesn't matter because uh, today everything was nice and, and Bayern on top lost too. Um, I was... Honestly, I was more hoping for a draw because both teams need to drop points. Um, but it's uh, the the very fact that Joshua Kimmich was basically crying and, and, and slapping the floor and whatnot uh, made it all up to me. And the fact that uh, Javi Martinez got sent off and caused a penalty for Gladbach in the end, even though you can clearly see in the replay, it was not a penalty. Martinez clearly played the ball, um, makes it all the better because uh, every injustice against Bayern is a justice for the Bundesliga, as we all know. So um, that makes me extra happy. <laughs> so, Schadenfreude is the schönste Freude. Exactly, exactly. Especially in football. So um, I I think we, we can all be very happy. And uh, yes, the, the fact in the end that Balerdi came on uh, makes it even better. And I, I think um, we, we need this more often. And uh, I, I really hope we'll we'll see um this what we like to call Spielfreude more often now. I mean we, we it, it flickered up in, in a couple of games before uh, Dortmund lost to Bayern and and I really do hope they carry it out to the Champions League now where they play against Slavia Prague on Tuesday and uh, where they will have to uh, come up with a win and that won't be easy because Slavia have taken points at the San Siro and at the Camp Nou. So, and we've seen from the first game, which was pretty much a slugfest, that they are not a team that's easy to beat. They press well, and I do assume they will have the athleticism that uh, Düsseldorf lacked. So, you know, you talked about a big test for Dortmund uh, in terms of the Leipzig and the Hoffenheim game. Well, I didn't want to interrupt you, but I will say now, I think Tuesday night will also mark a very big test for the Black and Yellows because... um the way Slavia Prague play is is uh, nothing uh, that you can just, you know, win at 90%. This is a team where if you don't play at 100% and, and battle hard, then you have zero chance to come up with three points. No, oh, I agree. You know, Slavia Prague, I mean, I watched the match against Inter. Um, after a while, they just crumbled uh, against Inter. And, and I think part of that is just because Inter is very good, and also because Slavia just they they ran out of steam at the end. They are absolutely steamrolling the Czech league, um, which isn't uh, surprising given 
the quality of the side, the coaching, and the financial investment that's come from their investors. Uh, so, uh, you know, like you said, you can't ignore them. They're very dangerous on the counter. They play a good press. They're full of energy. Uh, the advantages it will be at home and, uh, no offense to the Camp Nou or the San Siro. The Westfalenstadion is a little bit different. It's a different atmosphere. It's a different world. Um, and Dortmund, this was the perfect time to have this kind of a breakout performance heading into the match against Slavia Prague, because obviously on the other side, Inter against Barcelona, who knows which way that's going to go. Um, so it, it, it will be a, an interesting, night against Slavia Prague it won't be easy I think it'll be like you said a slugfest again I absolutely expect Dortmund to line up the same way they did now except maybe Hummels in between Akanji and uh, Zagadou that's the only change that I could see happening especially now that Hummels has had a rest has had some you know had a little bit of time off <laughs> which he desperately um, needed I would which he yeah yeah, absolutely. So, I that's that's really the the big change I would see. Other than that, I don't really think Lucien Favre is going to change much in the formation in the tactics. The good thing is Dortmund don't want to have to travel. That's a huge advantage. Uh, so they have more time to train. And Slavia are already and recover. Competition. They are dead Correct. Ass and there's nothing yeah. for them to to play for except honor, which sometimes can actually uh, help teams too. And on the other hand, as you said, uh, the same can be said for Barcelona, who uh, have won the group now. And we all know that Barcelona have a habit of uh, not performing at their very peak when they play away from home in the Champions League, especially in the group games. So um, I think Ter Stegen said that he is hoping that Dortmund uh, are the other team to qualify and he will do everything in his power to, to help them, uh, which is obviously nice. But, uh, yeah, I'm not holding my breath yet that, uh, Barcelona will win their games. So I, I really do hope that they at least get a draw, but because otherwise it will be very difficult for, for Dortmund, uh, to qualify. I think they, they would have to steamroll, um, Slavia, which obviously can happen. Um, I think the, uh, the, the goal difference is, is three right about now. Dortmund's goal difference in the Champions League is minus one. And uh, Inter is actually positive. It's it's up by two goals. So um, you know this is this is going to be very difficult for the black and yellows uh, to pull off if Inter win their game. So yeah, really have to hope that that Barcelona don't just you know completely shut down, <laughs> which obviously can happen. But at the same time, you hope that Slavia Prague shut down because for them is also nothing to play for. So it's a uh, um yeah a bit schizophrenic in in the things you have to hope for um but it's a ma massive game now matthias um it's not completely unrealistic that dortmund qualify for the europa league um what do you think would be the consequence if that happens and the overall atmosphere and how that would change the the club the dynamic and what kind of impact that would have after the quote-unquote breakout performance where we are all on cloud nine right now. 
Oh, I don't think it'll have a negative effect at this point because it is what it is uh, at this point with the performances. You knew going into this group, Inter and Barcelona and Dortmund, that one of those massive clubs is going to play in the Europa League, most likely. And, and it will. So um, it's a competition Dortmund haven't won yet. So <laughs> uh, we, we got kind of close before we got klopped at Liverpool under Tochel a few years ago. Um, so, uh, I personally, I don't think Dortmund have a chance of winning the Champions League. I think Dortmund absolutely would have a chance of winning the Europa League, to be honest. So it's, it would be annoying to not continue to be in the Champions League because of the revenue. But when it comes to the likelihood say, of winning a competition, you need to, you need to go no, I don't think Dortmund need to. Dortmund don't need to be in the, to continue in the Champions League financially. They're financially set and sound and wealthy and good. You need to qualify for it through the Bundesliga again. That's without a doubt. Uh, you can't miss more than one season at this, the way the cycles of money work. But if you don't continue to the next round, because I, I would rather Dalton make a good run in the Europa League, maybe make the final, maybe win it, than make it to the next round in the Champions League, get knocked out. And that's that for European football. But well, that's just me, I'm, I'm still, because I, I also... I, I really hope they reach at least the quarterfinal, to be honest. Which isn't all that easy, well, considering yeah. the performances that Dortmund have shown overall. And in general, this this season, um, you know, if you look at the overall performance capabilities and uh, the inconsistency, you will <laughs> not not be holding your breath for any opponent that you will face in a round of 16, that they actually make it... An, Around further, but uh, who who knows what happens in the winter break and uh, if if they can solidify and finally find some uh, much needed consistency in their performances. I don't know, um, because Dortmund could have had also a couple more results by now um, if they hadn't had so many uh, last equalizers that they suffered, like against Bremen, Frankfurt, and Freiburg, which is uh, very annoying. But all that being said, um, I think. Uh, you know, Dortmund still need to do much, much better and still have a lot of potential. Uh, we saw today where that all can lead and what kind of level Dortmund can play. But um, as you rightfully pointed out, uh, Düsseldorf were not the biggest test for for this defense and there will be more tests to come. And I think Slavia Prague will do exactly that because they will uh, stress Dortmund much more. Um, that's one of the negatives for Düsseldorf and their low block defense that they did not really press Dortmund and um, that helped Dortmund I guess a lot today as well and uh, Slavia will make it much more uncomfortable so I'm not uh, predicting another 5-0 win or something um, but uh, the opposite I think it, it will be a very close and, and very exciting affair and uh, I would not be surprised if it was going to be another heartbeat finale uh, as we had that one uh, match day six in the Champions League where Kevin Großkreuz of all players had a very late winner or was it the 3-1? I don't know. But but something changed very late for Dortmund to go through uh, when they played away to Marseille. Uh, so, you know, I, I wouldn't rule it out that this happens again. Agreed. It, it could be. Um, I'm more optimistic. I think Dortmund are going to have a... Uh, even though it'll be a fun, action-packed um, match, I think they'll have a clear result. Maybe the performance will be tight, but I think the result will be clearer. 
Yeah, well, maybe it's going to be a clean 3-0. You never know with this Dortmund team. They can have a very mature Champions League performance um, if they want to. Um, we've seen it time and time again, especially at home. I mean, the the way they played against Atletico or, or Barca uh, was pretty mature. And I would even say that in, in the end that, uh, you know, their performance against Inter at home was also very good. Yes, Inter, uh, you know, scored their chances and took them very well but uh, it wasn't like Dortmund played ter terrible in that game before you know they played absolutely amazing so who knows so maybe maybe uh this this will continue now um I don't know I just I just really hope that Dortmund um can what do you call it knuckle down or whatever <laughs> yep where um they uh keep that fighting spirit which I think is the root for any success of this Dortmund team up and, and play with that sort of level of intensity every game. And, uh, you know, you said you're hoping for Dortmund to not, um, you know, to, or to stick with that lineup pretty much. But at the other, on the other hand, I really hope that, uh, Dortmund finds the, the correct amount of rotation to, to keep the fitness levels where they need to be to play this kind of football. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if Nico Schulz comes in at left back as uh, along those lines of or left wing back along those lines of rotation. That, I wouldn't be surprised by that. I wouldn't be surprised if a Götze or a Paco get a run in for somebody. But I think the core will probably be the same. I th I don't think he's going to change Brandtwitze. I that that would be the biggest surprise for me if that would change. Yeah, I mean, who else would you put in in that position instead of Witzel, really? You know, would you would you play a central midfield with a Weigel and Brandt? I I don't know. No, not against Slavia Prague. Not against a team that's so actively and aggressively pressing. That's the problem. I just I mean, in I theory, wouldn't. you would have a lot of pressing resistance. But the the thing is, you don't know if uh, if if positionally and you know the the chemistry would be there to to really play around it. And the 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 one big negative you have with with Weigel is if he gets caught out he is not quick enough to to make up for a lost ground and uh, that's something that Witzel does a little bit better I would say just um, because if if Witzel loses the ball which rarely happens and today I think he had a, a 100% passing rate then uh, at least he he usually either fouls or or has a way to get back into the play immediately just because uh, he thinks a bit more defensively than other players um But yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll see. Um, it's, I don't know if you would experiment in this way against such a must win game. No, absolutely not. I think, uh, you know, Mainz is maybe one that, that Favre might think about doing that, even though obviously this is second time we'll face Achim Bayalotza this season as a head coach, but, uh, that's, that's for the next episode. But no, I, I don't think he's going to experiment much, uh, in, in this one. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, nice uh, for our listeners that they will get uh, two episodes this week. Um, but uh, since it's my 30th birthday on Monday, I just didn't really have uh, any other day to record this because tomorrow I'm afraid I have to work some more. So um, this, Matthias, I'm glad you could make it. It was really the only good chance to, to make it without putting my uh, work-life schedule or whatever in jeopardy. So thank you for doing it. Um, anything else we need to say about Slavia Prague? Because I honestly, um, 
just uh, open the laptop and hit, hit record. It's not like I really uh, looked at the the injuries or anything about Slavia Prague, so it's a bit disappointing, but I can't really say anything about them right now. No, I don't watch Czech football. Uh, the only thing I know from Slavia Prague is what I've seen in the Champions League so far, and that's that's decent to go off of. I, I, I don't, I'm not going to deep dive and pretend like I know what I'm talking about when it comes to Slavia Prague, aside from their general style and what the coach likes to do. And I think that's, that's about enough of the expectation we need to go in there. L worry less about them and worry more about ourselves or Favre needs to worry more about Dortmund than Slavia Prague. Um, and I think, uh, if he does that and sticks to at least the formation and the tactical approach, I think Dortmund will come away with a very solid victory. Yeah, he is hoping that, uh, that, um, I can maybe find a time to write a preview. I'm not, uh, all too confident about that, but, uh, you know, it, it, it would be, it would be nice to, uh, put a little bit more information out there. But uh, in the meantime, This is all I'm afraid you have to do with. And uh, I, I think in the next episode, we maybe have a bit more time to also talk about Erling Haaland and all that stuff like that. So, um, yeah, I'm uh, I'm looking uh, very much forward to, to the game on Tuesday. And uh, I'm a bit anxious to see if, if Dortmund can repeat this sort of performance or if that was a one-off because... Um, To me, that's that's very important that they uh, do not slip up again and uh, play like the laughing stuff, uh, laughing stuff, laughing stock they often are. So um, this this needs to be a performance where they are mature, where they um, show from the first minute that they are there to to play as hard as they can, as they did today against Düsseldorf, and then I'm confident that they will come away with all three points. Whoever starts up front i concur i concur so what do you think the the final result will be i do predict a, a clean 3-0 win i concur yet again all right so with that i think uh, there's uh, not much left for us to say otherwise uh, matthias how can people get in touch with you Uh, you can send all your love to uh, at Matthias Uck on Twitter. <laughs> yes, and you can find me at Stefan Butzko on Twitter. And uh, <laughs> I will give Last Poiman a shout out because uh, he will watch the game according to his account tomorrow. So maybe uh, you can read his tweets real life or whatever if that's something you're into. I don't know, um, but. Uh, I'm I'm very I'm very uh, happy that uh, this this game happened and I'm very sad for Lars that he could not witness it live. So anyway, um you can find all of us at Yellow Wallpot on Twitter and Facebook and you can read our written content if I hopefully get the time to write something more. Um you can definitely read uh either now when this podcast drops or in a little while uh, a match Well, I wouldn't call it report, more of a recap and, and the feature and uh, some interviews of what the players said post-match. So that's all going to be on there and uh, maybe even more schadenfreude if Leverkusen continue uh, to beat Schalke. So all these things uh, we have to wonder, uh, you know, if, if it even gets better this weekend. Who knows? But in the, in the meantime, uh, I will tell you that you can 
sponsor our episodes on patreon.com slash the yellow wall for 10 bucks a pop get a shout out for yourself or your fan club or whatever and if you want to read all that uh, previously teased written stuff you can pledge one buck to our patreon and then get full access to the yellow wall written content and uh, if you want to find various means to subscribe to the show please that via please do that via itunes soundcloud stitcher spotify youtube or uh all the other means you can find our RSS feed and, and basically pot in your podcatcher on theyellowwall.net. And uh, with that long outro, I say goodbye until, uh, I guess, Thursday or so, where we then talk about Slavia and preview the Minds game. Matthias, again, thanks for coming on on such short notice. And everyone out there, thank you for listening and really do enjoy this weekend. Goodbye.